Aloha for my friends in Hawaii. Konnichiwa or yeah, konnichiwa for my friends in Japan. Hi mate. How you going mate? For my friends in Australia and howdy, howdy partner for my friends in the United States, specifically in the West, in the Southwest Texas. What's up? Um, it's amazing how this community is so international and I'm really blessed and humbled to lead this conversation. It's not an easy conversation to lead. Uh, most times when we discuss what I'm about to discuss, you're going to get a plethora of emotional reactions. People uh, who've been holding on to, you, you know, you might notice during this conversation uh, that if you're holding on to unresolved trauma and wounding from your past, you might notice your body going into kind of like a freeze or a shutdown. Or, I got my little sphere here, you might notice yourself, you know, at times contracting. Okay, what I want you to do is to start to pay attention to what's happening inside your body as I'm sharing this information with you. This is a highly triggering subject. Uh, trauma is a very triggering subject. <coughs> the truth is very triggering, wouldn't you agree? Uh, when someone's like, can I tell you the truth? Immediately you might have this physiological reaction because you know that there, the truth has some, some, you know, pain involved. The truth is pain. So is love. Love is pain. In a world where the collective is holding on to centuries, thousands of years, of intergenerational trauma, um, we're, we get really good at sweeping things under the rug because we don't want to deal with what's uncomfortable. And as a result, what ends up happening is we start blocking emotions like shame and guilt and we stop feeling them. We stop wanting to feel them. We deflect away. We turn away. Our physiologies go boom. This one woman earlier in our community um, saw a comment that I made to try to assist somebody, got triggered, reminded her of her narc ex, and asked a question. And before I was even able to respond to her, when I tagged her, her name didn't come up. She had already left the room. She'd already left the community, which is called trigger proof, ironically, which, you know, that people get triggered and then they run, you know, people get triggered and then they run. And what happens is, oh, there's a dis an uncomfortable emotion and boom, I'm going to shut down or I'm going to run or I'm going to fight. And this is what's happening in our planet right now. Anytime we want to have a discussion, we don't have an ability to, to dialogue in a regulated manner and it doesn't feel safe to use our voice for good reason. What happened when you were a child, when you spoke the truth? Take a guess. Just look back. You, actually, I'd love to have you write it in the chat box uh, in the comment section because I don't get to see you live and that, you know, I, I, I miss your energy of the live events. So um, I have to I rely on your engagement to let me know if this is landing because it's a very important subject. And so the question I have for you first, I'd like to invite you to a ask yourself is what was the what? what was the what was the consequence when i told the truth when i was a child 
<clears throat> what happened when I told the truth of how I was feeling. You know, we, we say our truth, she dropped the thing, and then she ran before she could even hear my response, probably because she was expecting to get hit, because it was a disagreeing, she was disagreeing, she was being really disagreeing with me, uh, it was conflicting, we, 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 conflict is really scary, she dropped a comment, and I went to respond to her, and she was gone, and I messaged her privately, I said, you just left before I had a chance to respond to you, and so... Um, people are afraid of the truth for good reason. So I'm going to invite you. My commitment is that this community is dedicated to sharing the truth, even if it's uncomfortable. Uh, it's something I'm working on daily. It's a, it's a lifelong, our, our journey to heal our attachment traumas is a lifelong journey. It's not something where I can go, okay, finally, I get my black belt. I get my, you know, I get my certificate now. I got a certificate. I'm a Demartini Method facilitator, right? I used to think that. I got my certificate for Demartini Method facilitator. That means that I know my shit. And I, I've talked to many Demartini Method facilitators. And often, they're because they haven't gone deeper than just the cognitive, um, the, the expectation is that everything, oh, shouldn't get triggered. Oh, Nima's a, a Demartini. Nima shouldn't get triggered. Oh, you're getting triggered. You're not being authentic to your work. You're triggered. You know, it's kind of like our childhood stories, because when emotions come up as a child, we had them invalidated, which is what we're going to talk about today. And so if you are a child, uh, if you are a human being who's had un attachment traumas and wounds, this will trigger you. I just want you to... Um, to be prepared to go inside and what I, whatever comes up, whatever emotions come up, what I want you to do is to share them. I'm not here to make them wrong. You're allowed to have all of them here, okay? Uh, it's a weird concept, you know? It's strange because you've likely been invalidated for your emotions so, so much. So to have them, it's very, uh, it's very challenging for us. And it's a skill. It's like playing an instrument. This work of becoming trigger-proof is like learning how to play the guitar. So it takes years to master. You know what I mean? So it's not something that you're going to get in a weekend course. People are like, oh, is it going to work for me over a weekend? No, the answer is no. This is a, it's like, are you going to learn how to play the guitar in a weekend? No, you're going to get a good lesson. You'll have like a deep immersion of it. But to learn to play the guitar is going to take you practice, it's going to take you commitment, it's going to take you showing up for yourself, creating a space and a container, it's going to take you going into your body, it's going to take you feeling failure, it's going to take you feeling like, ah, oh, I'm not getting it. Healing is learning, right? And so you've just entered a conversation and this conversation will never end. By you being in this community, uh, some of you haven't taken the red pill and that's fine. Uh, but it's kind of like when Morpheus tells Neo, you either take the red pill and you'll be exposed to the truth, or you take the blue pill, fall asleep. I want you to consider me at this moment your Middle Eastern Morpheus, and I'm about to share with you some painful truths that are necessary for us to talk about if we are going to break cycles of intergenerational trauma. There is a deep resistance to this conversation for a very good reason. Um, and that reason is that, you know, either you feel like you are betraying your parents. 
by having this conversation. This is not about betraying your parents. Like, oh my God, but they work so hard. They sacrifice so much. I don't really want to talk about this. Uh, this is horrible. I feel like I'm betraying them. This is not about blaming your parents either. Because none of this had anything to do with them either. <coughs> Think of how your parents were parented. You know, children are to be seen, not heard. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Kind of like obedience training, like we, like we train dogs, right? It's, uh, it's been passed down from generations. But now it's time to have the conversation. Not to blame your parents. Also, not to blame you. Because here's another thing you're going to notice with this conversation. Within a few minutes, as I'm sharing the five characteristics, you're going to go, especially if you had kids, you have teenagers, or they've all grown up, and now you're looking back and you're just going to, and this happens a lot in our programs, and this is one of the things we have to work through. That's why people don't like to do this work. That's why people say, yeah, I'll do it, or yeah, I'm saving up for it. But deep down, there's a deep resistance to facing this because we hate feeling our emotions. But here's what, here's what it is, is that um, you're going to see some of these patterns in your parenting. I'm just, I'm just letting you know in advance because as you're watching, you're like, I hope he's not talking about me. Yeah, I'm, I'm likely going to be unfortunately talking about you, but fortunately, it's never too late. The answer is it's not too late, okay? It's, it's, it's definitely not too late. It's never too late. He's like, oh, they're already gone. They're seven years old. I fucked them up. Oh, my God. Uh, we hear this all the time. Like, mom guilt is real. Dad guilt is real. I, I haven't worked with one client within the first three weeks of doing this work hasn't broken down in anguish because of, like, the dots that they've connected and they've seen in their, from their parents that they've adopted and now they've passed on to the kids. And I'm sorry, but it's if, if you're going to feel shame and guilt about that, it's okay that you feel that. There's things called healthy shame and healthy guilt. We can't have transformation without it. In fact, healthy shame and healthy guilt that you're about to feel if you're a parent in this conversation is a good thing because we can't have transformation without guilt. Guilt is what led guilt, the guilt of the way, the guilt and the shame of the way that I showed up in my last relationship, which was embarrassing. I was like, oh my God, how did I end up in that situation with that person behaving the way that I did? And the public got to experience and talked about it and heard about it. I was pretty much suicidal <laughs> with shame and guilt. And I, my, my soul detached from my body. I couldn't feel things. I was trying to do Demartini work, cognitive stuff, when my body was what's in what's called a dorsal vagal shutdown, which is a freeze response in my parasympathetic nervous system to protect me from all of the extreme pain that I was feeling inside. But luckily, I had tools to get me out of my head and get me into my body, namely, which I'll talk about in a little bit because that's part of this conversation, namely breath work and then going into healing with my younger self and my inner child. And what I noticed was this was the missing piece that I now added into all of the brilliant um, cognitive work that I had been learning and mastering. And what I believe now, I've put together a... Uh, solution. So this isn't all bad news. It's a, so there is a solution uh, at the end, and 
there's an opportunity for you to actually take action on it so you don't have to sit down and just kind of twiddle your thumbs and think that think that your everything's going to change your life is going to change from reading a book or listening to podcasts doesn't actually work that way and I'll explain to you why um but essentially uh I was able to heal what was broken inside of me what I considered broken and I realized it wasn't broken it was working just fine I was just the product of intergenerational trauma and all the hatred that I had for my parents through doing this work I was able to open up my heart and love my parents and I'm not saying they don't get on my nerves they still do I have Persian parents my mother still uh, you know steps over my boundaries my mother still um, you know uh, invalidates uh, there's still intimacy issues going on with them and there there ha there hasn't been um you know any real resolution and healing and deep inner work on their part besides just going and talking to and getting validated at a counselor's or a therapist's office um so how did i do that how did i heal that relationship get married um to a beautiful human being who we don't have codependency on one another and now the reason why I'm doing this transmission the reason why the work that we that I do is so that I can make sure that I break that cycle for my son Dominic who's now almost nine months old at the recording of this and so hey Beck hey Christina um, let me know where you're signing in from by the way because I'm about to go in the five characteristics now the reason why you got to know this um, <clears throat> the reason why it's important for you to understand what I'm about to share is without learning this we can't self-reflect without learning this these characteristics we can't look at ourselves we can't feel the shame and the guilt that has to show up in order for transformation and cycle breaking to happen and if we don't look at this and we don't take action on this we don't we're not the ones in charge these unconscious complexes are so we're just going to pass them down to the next generation guaranteed you know how I guarantee if you don't believe me if you don't believe me when you were a kid those of you who are parents let me know if you can resonate with this um, when you were a kid and your parent ta uh, treated you a certain way and you saw a behavior in your parent that you just despised and you were like I fucking hate it I swear to God I am never going to be like that has that ever happened to you Abbotsford what's up it's rainy today isn't it geez looks, looks not too bad over there in Abbotsford though um, have you ever had that experience okay and then have you noticed unconsciously behaving in ways and going holy shit I'm exactly like my dad I promised when I saw that trait I promised I'm never gonna do it and then all of a sudden you're like holy shit I'm doing it so why don't I why don't we just go over some stuff uh, five traits one maybe want to take some notes on what these are and I'd love to have you share in the group chat right there um, what resonates most with you share your experience please I'd love to read it because I'm gonna read every comment 
uh, afterwards. Uh, I'm going to read them all because it's going to help me with formulating uh, trainings to help my people. Because we lead, my, if you haven't met me before, my name is Dr. Nima Romani. I'm a retired chiropractor of 20 years uh, because I realized that all of the physical injuries, most of the physical injuries people were coming to see me from for were at the tail end of emotional injuries. If you don't believe me, if you've had health crisis come up or health problem come up, rewind three months before the health crisis came up or a year or six months around that time in the six-month window of a health crisis, guaranteed there was an attachment trauma. There was a trauma of attachment, attachment to a job, attachment to a uh, 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 parent, attachment to a sibling, attachment to a lover, attachment to a partner. There's an attachment trauma, which is deep in our physiology. Your first attachment trauma happens when you're born, when you are in this beautiful, comfortable environment, just bathing in all the nutrients that you want. Hopefully, if mom is doing her own inner work while, you're pre while she's pregnant with you, her mental and emotional well-being is the number one priority. Beck, big love to you. You messaged me while you were seven months pregnant, and you were like, I, I'm doing this for my, my, my child. I have a kid, but I want to make sure that I'm regulated for my child. That is what we call a cycle breaker right there. It's like, oh my God, I'm getting DMs from people going, oh, in, before it was like, help, my ex is a narc. You know, what do I do? That kind of thing. And now the quality of the people in my DMs are like, I want to break the cycle for my kids. I'm done making excuses. I want to take responsibility. It's scary, but this is important. And I'm like, whoa, the world is changing. People are waking up. Great. Social media doesn't have to be used to put us to sleep. This is designed to awaken you. Okay. Um, so beautiful. All right. So um, this, this conversation is not about blaming your parents. It's not about blaming you as a parent because none of this is your fault. You're innocent and your parents are innocent as well. So take a deep breath in <sighs> and notice what comes up in all of these. So these are the five characteristics, five, there's many. I mean, I saw, I did a post and I saw so many evidences, so many kind of examples and my heart kind of, my, my heart broke for the little children inside of you. My heart breaks for the little children inside of us that had to experience that pain and feel very alone in it and which leads us to the solution which is the good news so stick around you're going to find out so the reason why we're doing this why this is important again is to break the cycle the reason why this conversation is to help you heal not just emotional traumas which is what attachment traumas which i was noticing with uh my patients uh so i just started teaching them how to heal the attachment traumas just over 10 years i just make a long story short that's what i was doing and 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 the big part is to the reason why i left is because number one to break the cycle number two to heal attachment trauma which then number three leads us to heal our illnesses most of the illnesses especially if you're dealing with digestive if you're dealing with a digestive issue ibs even crohn's one of our clients eliminated the sim her symptoms of 20 years of crohn's eliminated through what I'm just sharing, just by healing her attachment traumas, 
right? It makes sense, you know, intuitively it makes sense. Um, healing from uh, di digestive issues, uh, if you're dealing with digestion issues, it's attachment trauma. If you're dealing with autoimmune, it's attachment trauma. If you're dealing with uh, hormonal issues, they'll say hormonal issues are caused by fluctuations in your hormonal glands as if the glands are to blame. It's like, let's blame the glands. No, your, your fucking body is working exactly as it should given the environment that it's in. We don't blame we don't blame the physio the, the physiology we, like if a fish is sick right do we blame the fish if the sick is in really fucking disease infested water and we start giving pills to the fish no we take the fish out and then we put it in healthy environment so what we're doing is we're creating a healthy environment so you you you're, you will heal from illnesses doing this by healing your attachment wounds and 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 the third reason the biggest reason is really all of this helps us enjoy the experience of life because when we don't heal our attachment traumas they follow us they don't they don't go away we can say i don't want to talk about it it's scary people message me it's scary i don't want but i don't want it i've been doing i've been doing 20 years of therapy it hasn't worked i'm like i know because you've been staying at a cognitive level just talking you can't access these wounds when they're pre-verbal think about it dominic is eight months old if i started hitting him and started physically abusing him every time he cried because he was an inconvenience in my life 30 years when he's at the therapist's office he he won't be able to use language there's no language for what's happening but the event will be stored in his body that's for sure and then when he's playing hockey one day, somebody will push him or the coach will raise his voice and then all of a sudden he'll have a trauma response. And he'll be like, what just happened? I don't know what just happened. This is what a lot of patients would come in to see me with. As a chiropractor, I would notice this. They'd be like, I got into a car accident and now, you know, three weeks later, I now have PTSD. What happened? And I'm like, hmm. I wonder what happened. That was like 10 years ago. And as I learn, I'm like, holy shit, their attachment traumas will get triggered. So if we, do, if we don't deal with them, yes, it's scary to deal with them. Yes, it's scary to face them. Of course it is. But not dealing with them is downright fucking unbearable because you can't escape them. They're literally in your face every time you get triggered. That's what a trigger is. And I get triggered daily especially in these conversations with people who are triggered a lot. So if I wasn't consistently, trigger, pr trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. If I wasn't consistently looking inside myself and using these tools to slowly increase my capacity for discomfort, increase my capacity to feel shame, increase my capacity to feel guilt, what happens is I have no capacity for it, then I will block it, I will block shame, I will block guilt, I will deflect it, and that is what the ego does, and that is the number one destroyer of all of my relationships. In my first half of my life, I had no relationships that actually really worked, except the one with my dog. At the age of 43, I had to wake up one day and go, hmm, why is it that the only people that are wanting to be around me are ones that I have to pay? My staff, my dog while I feed her, 
it's bribery. I bribe her by... I'm sure at times she was like, fuck, if this asshole wasn't paying me, fuck, I'd be out of here. Right? If this asshole wasn't feeding me, I'd be out of here. I'm sure Lucy's thought of that, right? But I went from that to now being in a place where... Um, and this has never happened before in any relationship I've ever been in. Um, just about a month ago, or a few days ago, I think I put up a post that had a picture of a chair, of, of like a kind of a park bench, and said, if you had one hour with anyone in that park bench, who would it be? And people were like, oh, the president, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony Robbins. A couple people said me. That was really nice. My ego loved that. Um, but when I asked my wife, she goes, you. And then I looked at her kind of like, yeah, right. Because I'm not used to having people say, I, in my past, I, I wasn't used to having um, uh, my girlfriends say that to me. Uh, uh, except in more of a needy way. Why don't you spend more time with me? Why, why am I not a priority? It was more like a whiny way. But with her, it was like, it would be you. And I looked at her and I'm like, wow. It sounds like you mean that. <laughs> I was like... It sounds like you mean that. She goes, yeah, I love spending time with you. I'm like, wow. And my friendships uh, with men, with my family are better than they've ever been. Like people are wanting to work with me, you know, touch wood by the grace of God and the work that I've done. Um, yes, I repulse many of you. I, I'm fully aware of that. But there's an even growing number of people who are willing to go over that my repulsiveness and actually say, you know what? You're the kind of asshole that I want in my corner. And I'll be like, mm, okay, good. Well, there's a there's a there's an enjoyment that happens in the space that um, I create for people because of this healing of my attachment wounds. Literally, the reason why I left chiropractic was because it was like a eureka moment. Um, not only, it, it was like, how is it that literally we can knock out all of those issues, my kind of arsehole, how is it that we can knock out all of those issues just with participating in one endeavor, which is to heal our attachment traumas? <gasps> so people are noticing. I've never, like, we can't keep up with the new people that are now jumping on board to then break the cycle. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to break the cycle. I'm ready to invest in myself because of the guilt stories and all that stuff of unworthiness have stopped me, which is part of the trauma in and of itself. <laughs> the reason why oftentimes in this work, the excuse why you can't is the exact reason why you must. The excuse becomes the reason. Right, every single time. The reason why you can't—I'm too busy uh, doing things outside for other people, which is exactly why you need to actually work on breaking the cycle. Breaking the cycle involves making your inner world the number one priority, and there's a good reason why you don't want to do that. Because how how were you treated when you were wanting to do something for yourself? When you had a desire for you, what was the consequence? I'm going to drop in these questions that are going to get you to boom, drop in and feel if there's tears that are coming up, that's okay. That's my first question. What was the consequence that you experienced when you spoke the truth? What was the consequence that you experienced when you, you know, asked for what, what you desired or shared your truth or your preference? 
or your belief, what was the consequence? So five characteristics of emotionally uh, immature parenting um, is, is a conversation to break the cycle. So the first one, number one is characteristics characteristic is when the parent sees the child as an extension of themselves all right discounted as if I didn't know what I was talking about yeah Angie that's coming up watch this number one is when children are seen I made some notes right here because there's five of them and I made some notes children are seen as extensions of themselves okay what do I mean by that well it's kind of like when you have a kid to suit your needs right how many how many people really know the intent of why their parents had them right oftentimes it was to suit an egoic need because society wanted them to because they always wanted to have a little baby always want somebody to to need them right usually the reason why a child that our parents had children were to suit their needs you know, I have a nine-month, an eight-and-a-half-month-old, and I can tell you right now, he does not care about what my needs are. <laughs> I have needs of sleep. I have needs of, you know, coming and doing work. But he's got this much concern for my needs. In fact, it's my job to meet his emotional and physical needs and teach him how to do that for himself. That's actually the role of parenting, right? But most of our parents see us, saw us, or most immature parents with immature immature parents have not ha see the kids as an extension of themselves. It's like they're they're there to make me look good. You know, I saw that in the in the um, in the park the other day. This woman, uh, kind of posing with her kids, like look at me. I'm like, but wasn't really paying attention. Was more uh, concerned with the Instagram post. Uh, and the kid was just not really engaged, but she was just kind of like not engaged with the kid. And it was just like posing. It was like, oh, this kid's here to make me look good, right? And, um, you know, my dad would, would say, actually, he says this on a video I've recorded when we were having these challenges. He says, you're my investment, is what he said, is when you're my investment. In other words, like, I've invested in you. I better get a fucking return the way that I want. Otherwise, you're a failure. Okay? That's Im emotionally immature parenting. All of these actually are traumatic to a child. And by trauma, I don't mean capital T. Trauma, I don't mean capital T. I mean trauma, little t, because um, you don't have you don't have this uh, uh, objectivity. You know what I mean? It's like you you make everything about you as a, as an emo everything is about you as a, you know it's like if this kid fails in a, a test, I failed in a test. So I'm going to try to fix and over like hyper control because I don't want the kid to look bad because if the kid looks bad then I look bad. And and when we don't heal the root cause of this, and this is caused, why is this caused? This is caused by unresolved, when the parent has unresolved attachment wounds, which then have them good and bad, black and white. It's got to be, I have to be good. They were raised with parents that punished them for being bad. 
when their child does something they deem as bad, when our, an emotionally mature parent would then say, it means I'm bad. So I'm going to react from a place of my own wounding rather than empathizing and being there for the child. Often punishment comes from that, you know. If you were physically beaten by your, your father because of something that they hate within you, be, be, because you, they, you, something within your behavior, it's because deep down their inner child hates themselves for that behavior. They can't see it. The emotionally immature parent can't see it, but this is what we do in a moment of trigger when completely we go shut down and we don't know how to regulate that. The child is an extension of the parent and then the, the, the parent then reacts to the kid. What they're doing is they're beating themselves up, right? Does this make sense? Is this landing for you, right? That's the first example. My dad would say, you're my investment, you know, or um, this feeling of disappointment. This will happen. If you've ever felt like this disappointment feeling from a parent, it's because they are seeing you as an extension of themselves. You're, my mom would say, you're part of my body. We are your parents, right? It's like, it's this, you know. Number two, does this resonate with you? Is this, re is this, is this one landing? What's come up for you in that? What, what has happened with your emotions with that one? Number two, an inability to see their children as unique human beings who are separate from them. Kind of goes on to, from number one. This inability to see their children as unique human beings that are separate from them. Right? So there's no concept of a child, you know, what you do, exactly, what you do reflects on me, right? There's no concept of a child having their own autonomy or agency. Think if you um, uh, were forced into religion, and if you kind of had a, a belief outside, then, you know, then you, have, you had punishment, you know, in that first one, if you were born in, a, in, in the Midwest of the United States, who are very conservative, Christian, and you were gay, the parent would have shame about them because you are an extension of them, and they can't see themselves as separate from you. Is this making sense? This is another sign. You know, the way that this shows up is that there aren't any boundaries. I just, my mom would just literally barge into my room and I go, Mom, could you just knock? Could you just respect my space? What? This is my house. You know, or you would hear, or you would hear things like, I brought you into this world. You owe me. Or using guilt trips or feeling entitled. You know, it's when the parent feels entitled to your stuff. You know, my mom, that what caused a lot of rift in my first marriage was my mom would come into my home and she would just go into the cupboards and all of that stuff, right? Because I'm an extension of her. I'm not separate from her, right? And my wife, Maria, at the time, she'd be like extremely triggered. And she would say something to my mom, like, please, you know, would you set a boundary? And my mom would get offended because her shame, you know, you know, rejection. And, and then so that caused a little bit of a rift. And it's like we stopped wanting to invite my parents over, right? And so 
I didn't know at the time. I was, you know, I, I hadn't done this work. So I was just confused. I felt stuck in the middle, right? I didn't understand intergenerational trauma. I was too much knee deep in it, right? I was so knee deep in it. I couldn't see it. I was just frustrated. Why do I feel like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place? My wife and my, my mother can't get along. And this is it. This is exactly it. When an emotionally immature parent, and by the way, I'm not blaming my mother. I love my mother. This is unresolved childhood wounding. Right? And she's a beautiful soul. She's an amazing soul who, me who meant nothing but love. It completely like blind that this was happening. This is all unconscious. None of this was on purpose. Right? So I have, my heart goes out to all moms who are now kind of like, oh shit, I do that. Right? Is this resonating with you? Are you having, are you having some mom guilt or dad guilt in listening? Uh, please write that down because you're not alone. I promise. But we have to talk about this if we're going to break the cycle. Right? If you ever experience your punishment or shame, or guilt trips or control trips, for for actually thinking uh, differently about a po politics, you were shamed for it. You were guilted for it. You know, no boundaries, um, entitled to, entitlement to your resources, or this kind of thing. Well, we, I, I did all of this. I brought you up. You know, you owe me. It's just kind of like inability to see the children as separate. Is like, is like extension of self. Does this resonate? This is a sign, right? And we do this because of the ego protecting our ego that's protecting our uh, wounded inner child. Our parents have wounded inner children. So, the, so what happens is the parents, sorry, the children then become the surrogate parents. How many times, how many times have you ever wondered, fuck, I wish I had parents that were parents. It feels like they're children. This is what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that your experience is totally valid, right? Totally valid if you've had this experience, right? Number three, sign. Now, before I go into number three, if we don't get this right, if we don't talk about this and heal this, what happens is we will then pass it down to our kids unknowingly. You know, my parent, like I, I work with parents, they say, you know, I can totally see it. Like I'm judging the shit out of my daughter. She's a little bit chubby and I'm really resenting her for it. And I can totally see me downloading my shames that my mother downloaded onto me for my physical appearance. I'm, I'm literally catching it. I can see my, like, thank God. They're like, thank God I'm doing this work because I can see the thoughts happening, but I'm so, I'm, I, I if it wasn't for this, I'm wise enough to actually catch it, right? So this is why if you're wanting to be a cycle breaker, it's so important for you to understand this, right? So number three is a sign that uh, of emotionally immature parenting is a difficulty in regulating our emotions, difficulty in regulating their emotions. When I say they, I say us because I can be an immature parent too. I can literally choose in a moment of forgetting, of disconnecting from my inner work and I go back into that and I have a difficulty uh, regulating because my shame, uh, my, my shame has been triggered. That's usually what triggers us is our shadows. The, the, the wounded inner child, the parts of us that we hate, 
So we see in the kid and boom, it gets triggered and then I can't regulate my emotions and then I will blame, I will scapegoat. You know, the, the emotionally immature parent will blame the child, will deflect any responsibility, um, dumping your emotions onto the child, expecting them. This is very traumatic for a child. You know, one of my one of my uh, clients that we were working with, who's going through like a deep depression, uh, limbo in her relationship. Her mother, um, she, she's dissociated a lot uh, and, and dealing with nervous system dysregulation, challenge in her marriage. Her mother used to uh, c uh, threaten committing suicide, say, "I'm going to commit suicide. This is too much. I can't handle you." To a seven-year-old. That's pretty fucking traumatic, wouldn't you say? The seven-year-old doesn't have the ability to go, wow, my mother's dumping her emotions on me. That's all a result of her unresolved childhood wounding. I got this. I love my mom. I'm going to contain her. She's, it's, it's her stuff. It's not me. No! A seven-year-old does not go there. A seven-year-old goes, I'm bad. And I'm going to hyper-focus and please to try to, to help regulate my mother or my father because I don't want people to get hurt I don't I, I need to I, I need to abandon myself for safety dumping your emotions onto the child and um, throwing tantrums and this is traumatic because the child immediately goes I must be bad you know because this becomes normal this is like the the water bowl it's like kind of like you're a fish in really disgusting water and you were born into the water. You don't even know that it's it's dirty water. You haven't had experience getting out and going, holy shit, I'm not sick. The water that I was raised in was had sickness in it, so that's why I adopted it. But now I'm going to put myself into a new container. Welcome, by the way. This is the container. And the container involves us looking at that old container with absolute understanding rather than oh, blame blame no understanding it all makes sense because they were part of another container of a fishbowl like you're now in the same fucking fishbowl as as they were like thousands of years just think of all of the pain of your ancestors what they went through if they you know whether you dealt with slavery you're african-american and you had to deal with slavery that's in your body if you're indigenous, especially, you know, the residential schools in Canada, um, you know, with the native population, just take them away from the parents. That's not traumatic at all, is it? <laughs> Dump them into a Catholic school and say, you better learn to pray, pray like this or we're going to beat the living fuck out of you. Praise God. <laughs> intergenerational trauma and then no wonder we have addiction no wonder we have poverty no wonder we, because we have a collective low self-esteem of 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 childhood trauma that just keeps getting passed down with wounded souls raising wounded souls recreating it and just passing it like a fucking virus to the next generation and nobody's really talking about it everybody's kind of like Ooh, let's just dance. Ooh, I don't want to trigger you. No, I want to actually, hopefully you're triggered by this conversation because if you don't take action, you're literally swept by the waves in the next generation. This is a, this is, this is a conversation for cycle breakers only. 
please hit delete and remove yourself because we have some work to do. We're, we're, we're here to have a serious conversation about that's playful too. We're, we have fun along the way, but the, let's, let's not forget the why behind why we're doing this, shall we? <laughs> this is not about blame, you know? The third sign of that emotional, lack of emotional kind of maturity, you know, with this difficulty regulating emotions, it's kind of like the emotional state of the parent determines the weather of the whole household. You remember that growing up, how mom's mood was or emotions was? It was kind of like mm, this experience of we got to walk on eggshells around mom. Oh, we got to walk on eggshells around mom right? That is one of the signs. And if it's happened to you and your kids are like that, my heart goes out to you. I'm saying it's not your fault. As you kind of, a lot of times this is when the moms, they just start crying and they go into their wounds and it's totally good. It's, it's okay. It's just careful not to just keep going back and, oh, it's so painful. Really feel the pain. Allow yourself to feel the pain. Let the pain move through your body so that you can awaken because without feeling our pain and guilt and shame and being willing to just face it and go this i'm gonna have this conversation even though i feel guilt and shame about it this is really difficult that's what it's going to take to heal because what if your mom did that you've been listening to the trigger proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world which is nervous system regulation become becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less it means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds anytime there's reactivity there's a wound and if you're curious and inspired to learn more join us at breathwork and badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work there's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma it didn't start with you but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. That to you. Imagine, I had this fantasy one day of my mother coming in after doing this work, after integrating her shame and saying, I feel so much shame and guilt over some of the, the things that I did and didn't do. And um, I just really want you to tell me what that was like for you. In a, in a genuinely curious, like that would just fucking, I would... I would burst into tears. <laughs> so would you, wouldn't you? But the only way she would do that is if she would open her heart and go, I feel guilt and shame. So the guilt and shame, if you're a parent that you're feeling, I'm encouraging you to just literally physically open your hands, open your hands, open your heart and really take it in because that's what it takes to break the cycle. The only way that I could stop my unconscious pro um, kind of, my unconscious uh, pattern was to actually sit in the stew of guilt and shame for a while. And it's painful. Shame is painful. I, I wouldn't blame you for wanting to
click goodbye on this conversation and take off because shame literally feels like a physical it's it, it's a physical pain it's as if as, as it feels like as if someone is taking an ice pick right into your solar plexus you literally have a shift in your physiology if you were walking down the street i can observe your body language and exactly the way you were breathing and the way your shoulders are go are, are, are hunched and the way your body language is i'd be able to look at you and i'd be able to go yeah what are you ashamed of right because it the, the the physiology is the is the uh window to what's happening in the unconscious right if we don't get to the root cause and learn how to tra transform that and break that cycle, we then become the type of parent where our children are like, fuck, I don't really want to say anything truthful to my dad because I, I'm afraid of the consequences. I know what that's like. <laughs> I lied throughout my 20s to my parents about all of my relationships because... I knew that I wasn't I wasn't going to get met with anything except guilt, blame, shame, resentment. Right? So, difficulty regulating your emotions is number 3. Is this resonating for you? You know, what's been your biggest takeaway? I'm going to request just take a moment and check in in your body right now because you've probably had some emotions bubble up. Maybe you might have had some tears to this. All of that happens every time I uh, do a training and that's actually trauma if you have a releasing tear it's trauma releasing your releasing out of your body and which is by the way part of the healing so the conversation itself is medicine you know there's one it's one thing if you're kind of typing there but it's different when you're actually showing up and doing the work there's a difference between reading a book getting gathering information which is what you're doing right now and transformation huge distinction and I'm going to talk about that but number four number four sign of a emotionally immature parent is difficulty with mentalizing with it kind of I getting an idea of any other perspective other than their own and empathy so difficulty with empathy essentially this is a very big sign of emotional immaturity. I mean, my nine-month-old is a narcissist. <laughs> by definition, if I go by based on his behavior, he has very little concern for how I feel. He will, you know, grab my chest in the morning when I'm, he jumps into bed, he's in bed with me, and he, he'll grab my chest hair and use it to pull himself up. That little fucker has zero empathy. That's what happens when we're emotionally immature. We can't consider the the internal state to somebody else. And there's a good reason for that, narcissistic parenting. Right? There's a good reason for that. Because our parents are dissociated from their own emotions. They don't know how to feel. They have been guilted and shamed and punished for being bad. So anytime I'm having a, let's say you have a, a parent right here. Where's my other pen? I usually like to use when I talk about, oh, here it is. I usually like to talk about relationships, I use pens. So this is, this is the child and this is the parent. The parent was a child at some point who was punished for being bad, 
rewarded for being good, uh, obedience, spare the rod, spoil the child, good, bad, now has a kid, which is you. Okay, now the kid does something considered bad or against the rules or the wishes or whatever that the parent wants, right? Now the parent then sees, sees that and because the parent is so triggered by it, their nervous system shuts off and has zero ability to get the felt sense of what's happening in the child's body. Empathy. I feel you. The parent cannot feel you because they can't feel themselves. They've gone into a triggered shame spiral and they then dump it on you and they're unable, unable to see any other perspective other than their own. It literally feels like you don't exist. Your reality is not validated. Your beliefs, your values, your preferences, your boundaries just trampled over you know, and um, it's very black and white in their thinking. I see a lot of people, this woman just messaged me earlier saying, you know, I'm going through my second divorce or whatever. I got all these kids and each of, I, go, I date the same type of people, right? And just by her, her, her demonstrate, her, her uh, DM, I could feel, you know, you, when you get text messages, you can feel them. The non-verbals, the word choices, carry energy that you can feel. And I could sense that there was black and white thinking. She's like, I, you know, it's either good or bad. And I was just, in my mind, I was like, fuck, I feel sorry for your kids. We all know what it's like to be raised in black and white thinking. And it's for good reason. You're doing, their parents are doing this for a good reason. Because they were raised in black and white. They were punished for being bad. The biggest fear to black and white thinking is being bad. Oh my God, I hope, I, I don't want to go to hell. Right? It's this fear of damnation. It's traumatic. Oftentimes, if you were raised with really conservative Christian parents, we see this a lot, conservative, any religion, is this fear of damnation creates black and white thinking. Oh my gosh, I hope my, my, my oh my gosh, uh, my, my kids, I hope they don't go to hell. I hope I don't go to hell. If they do anything outside of the, the box, I'm going to lose it and then I'm going to fucking punish them because it's good for them, right? This is the narcissistic parenting. This is abuse. But it all has a reason. It's not, I'm not blaming. I'm just saying the parent lives in black and white. And when you, we're human beings, the fucking world is gray. It's not black and white. It's gray, man. <laughs> There's zero flexibility. If you have a parent with zero flexibility and you break that boundary, there's a consequence, which then gets downloaded into your body, which then has you being black and white. You become a perfectionist. You start beating yourself up in response because that's how you were parented. If you're a perfectionist and you're beating yourself up constantly, constantly going, I'm such a perfect, constantly harsh on yourself, it's because there's a little parent in your, in your ear that doesn't have empathy for how you feel and is doing the best they can to be good parents. And by good, it's like you fit a certain thing, you get the best grades, you're obedient, everybody thinks that you're good, so it reflects good on them. And that is the underlying, it's cultural too. I mean, what Persian, that's why every Persian that I know, 
<laughs> Every Persian that I know is a covert narcissist for that reason. Asians, uh, uh, Indians, like literally everybody. We're all covert narcissists for this very reason. Because of the deathly, we are so fearful of being bad that we will do sh we will do what's called shame deflection. You give me feedback. About, if I'm afraid of being a bad coach, you give me feedback and say, hey, Nima, you're being harsh on me. It's going to trigger my, I'm a bad coach, shame deflection. I'm going to go, fuck you. You're being too wussy. <laughs> and then I become a narcissist. And then you're like, you're a narcissist. And I'm like, fuck you. You're a narcissist. You're just weak. And then we just go ping pong back and forth, which is how every one of the arguments, by the way, that you have in your relationships, it's the same thing. We're all swimming in this disgusting water of intergenerational trauma. And that's floating in the background and we're going like blind to doctors psychotherapists talking 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 telling our side well why will my parents ever see me why doesn't he well will they get it that they harmed me i want them to apologize and we just keep this fucking invalidation train going of the whole thing and we invalid because we haven't learned to validate ourselves we're at the effect of all of it you know it's if you've ever had the experience where you never really had parents that knew how to repair a conflict because of their shame deflection it didn't happen just well no empathy this no accepting responsibility or apologizing they're like okay okay just forgive and forget and nobody's perfect it's like zero empathy no you know what what was that like for you tell me what that felt like no there's none of that there is just forgiven just forgiven forget i'm so one time i remember um i think it was about five years ago uh my mom texts me and my brother said can we take you out for dinner sure my brother and i sit there and and you know my parents are they're they're the most incredible human beings lovely people and they were raised we were parented with kind of like a narcissistic parenting style so i remember my mom saying my mom's saying, um, we're like, she's like, I just brought you guys here because I wanted to tell you I'm sorry. And then my brother and I, we're twins, by the way. It's like four or five years ago, five years ago. We look at each other and we're just like, sorry for what? And she's like, just I'm sorry. I'm like, okay let's just move on and we were both like hey <laughs> that's actually fucking huge it's like the first time in 40 years we've heard that even though there's not more let's just both of us kind of like we, we can communicate mentally <laughs> both of us looking at each other across the table looking at each other kind of like you know at least Let's just be grateful for that we got that. <laughs> what we would have loved was to have some empathy. It's like, sorry for not seeing you, not hearing you. Tell me more what your experience was like back and forth. No, but because if you haven't resolved and integrated your own shadows and your guilt and shame, then I'm sorry is a good shame deflection. Just forgive and forget. Okay. It's unresolved shame. The cause of lack of empathy, the cause of narcissism, is unresolved shame, right?
So is this landing for you? Number five. Number five sign that you are uh, emotionally immature parenting is with the characteristics of a, a genuine fear or avoidance of genuine emotional connection. And if you're dealing with this, by the way, every single one of the clients that work with us and reach out to work with us, they admit that they're dealing with that. A lot of times people are like, can you help me with my teenager? My teenager screwed up. It's just, ah, and then I'm like, mm. does your teenager, has he been following me and he really is keen on doing You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast, designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Doing the work? <laughs> no, just fix them. I'm like, mm, I don't mean to trigger you, but this is your work to do. You're, you're gonna break the cycle. Don't pawn them off to a psychotherapist because that's a further invalidation. Three years ago, my mom tried to do that for me because she couldn't handle it. It was after my breakup. And she's like, please, you need to see a psychologist. You need to take medications. You have a mental ill. You have ADD, attention deficit. I talked to my psychologist. She thinks you have ADD and you need medications. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Psychologist, instead of actually healing the attachment traumas and helping her integrate her shame, the psychotherapist is fucking validating my mom's story that I'm the one to blame. I'm the scapegoat. Why do you think this is important for me to talk about? Because if it wasn't for this work, I would be depressed, anxious, sick, and I wouldn't be able to carry on a healthy relationship. I wasn't. I wasn't able to for good reason. I was so, so ashamed of that. But now I realize, look at the water in which I was developed. Look at the Look at the kind of... Um, the aquarium, the little fishbowl. Look at the fishbowl that I was raised in, that, that level, right? When I'm at my worst, at my lowest, wanting emotional validation and love and empathy from the people I wanted it the most, it simply wasn't available at the time. And um, yeah, fear and avoiding genuine emotional connection comes from this discomfort with our emotions and we all have that I, I haven't met anybody with anxiety that isn't dealing with that if you're dealing with it once if you're dealing with anxiety you've been sold a lie that you have this uh, dis mental disorder it's a lie you don't have a disorder you've been raised in a fishbowl that has you invalidating yourself and not trusting yourself uh, and not having an emotional connection to yourself 
It's not your parents' fault. I'm not blaming your parents for it. No, it's not even their fault. It, this is not about a blame game, but this is about saying, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to be the one to heal, right? <laughs> My teenager is listening and laughing. Props to you, your, you, uh, your teenager. Um, uh, this is about breaking the cycle for our kids, right? I don't, I, I, when my, when Dominic, I want to have it when Dominic is a teenager, he knows he can come to me. He knows, like, I don't have to, I don't have to feel attacked if he lied. My, my parents are like, why are you lying? You're a liar. And it's like, when was it ever safe to tell you the truth? <laughs> Could you look back on the times when I told you the truth? Like, of course, I had to lie in order to fucking survive. So much so that I was like 43 years old and I got too many speeding tickets. Too many speeding tickets. So I had my license taken away for five months when I was, uh, when I was 43 years old. And immediately I was like, shit, I don't want to tell my parents. <laughs> Fuck, I'm 43. I'm a doctor. But I'm still not wanting to tell my parents. And I was anxious. It took me two weeks to gather the courage to do it. And it's like... And my... my it's no wonder. And it's like, of course, it's my responsibility to deal with that. It's because I wasn't... I didn't feel safe to tell the truth because of my own feelings of, uh, of discomfort. Because of the culture that was created. This is the culture. I want to do it differently for Dominic. Right? And it takes me being connected with my own emotions, me mastering it, even though it's uncomfortable, really sitting in it, learning how to expand my capacity for guilt, expand my capacity for shame, expand my capacity for resentment. Not run away the second it comes, but really sit and learn how to master it. Because if I can do that, then my heart expands and I can expand my capacity to love. And people will be able to feel my love when they're, it's not just something that they're just robotically that, that I'm saying. You literally will be able to feel it when you're in my presence. My, my wife feels it. My son feels it. My son feels it so much that the second I lock eyes with him, he just fucking bursts with like, and I'm like, boom. That's my indication of great parenting is his, his willingness to want to spend time with me. Because I become a safe container for him to feel seen and heard and loved. Because I'm no longer afraid of genuine emotional connection with myself. If I'm not afraid of emotional connection with myself, then I'm not afraid to emotionally connect with my son, who might sometimes give me some critical feedback that's going to be very difficult for me to take. But if I don't do the work to heal my attachment traumas, I'm going to turn it around on him. I'm going to blame him. I'm going to gaslight him. I'm going to invalidate him. And then I'm going to uh, de deflect it. No, it didn't happen. I'm going to literally become the narcissistic parent that I received, right? And the answer comes from, comes into releasing the expectation that anyone else is going to see you and go all in with healing your own attachment wounds. Tanya's, all the kids are listening now. Oh, good. It'd be a good, good, good uh, op opportunity, kids. Tanya's Kids are listening. Great. Tanya's kids. What's up? My name's Nima. I got something to tell you about your uh, your mom. She's holding back on healing her attachment wounds because she thinks that she's she's, she's got to make sure that the kids are first. My question to you is this. Tell your mom right now how much 
you want for her to heal so that she can be calmer in the household and feel safer in the household and not get so reactive and just feel and be a lot more tell tell your mom right now where she should put that on the prior she should should she just like forget about herself because that is often the biggest excuse not just tanny i don't want to throw you under the bus um but that's everyone's excuse. Oh, it's all for the kids. It's all for the kids, which is a good deflection of dealing with ourselves. So I want you to tell, if you're a kid watching, I want you to tell your mother right now, how important is it for, for you to have your mother truly love herself so she doesn't dump all of her unresolved stuff onto you? My question to you is this, like imagine 30 years ago, they had Facebook Live and your parents were watching this. Would you want your parents to invest the time and the resources and the energy? <laughs> Why don't you also tell the dog <laughs> for Gaza? Yeah, get the dog in there too. I'm sure the dog is like, hmm, looking up at you like, hmm. If your parents were facing this decision to go all in with healing their attachment, was not just talking about it, not just reading about it, but actually showing up and doing the work. It's like reading about, reading about, a lot of people are like, let me read the book about going to the gym and doing exercise. No, put the fucking book down and actually show up and do the work and get guidance on it because there's going to be times where you're going to feel some emotions that you don't want to feel and your ego is going to want to deflect it. That's where it helps to have a guide and a guide, not, a, not a hero or a therapist to solve your problem who's just going to talk, talk, talk. Because to actually do the work is very little talking necessary, actually. In our sessions when we do the work with people, there's very little talking. Talking to express the feelings and to validate them and to meet you in that safe container. But really the work is to face them and feel them and release them. Each level of release, you lighten. Each level, you feel more like like expanded, right? One of the uh, one of our clients was like, "Oh my God, she was watching. She's been in intergenerational trauma. She um, she was diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder. She's like, could you help me? I've been diagnosed with all this stuff, and she she's been living in a cult all her life." 47 years old, sees one of my Facebook Live videos, and it was like this fucking explosion in her brain. It's like, oh my God, I've been depressed all this time, and I realize I've actually been in a fishbowl. I wasn't depressed. I was in a fishbowl, working just my, – my mind wasn't faulty. My brain wasn't faulty. It was working exactly the way it was in a shitty fishbowl. So she, so she's been exiting that fishbowl, and she's jumped into our program for the last four or five weeks, and literally, it's like after about three weeks, she goes, "Oh my God, I have empathy again." Like God bless her, my my heart goes out to to you. You know who I'm talking about because it takes a lot of courage to own the shame of that. Like the people who do this work are freaking heroes. To break the cycle, to own the fact that this is an uncomfortable conversation. Reaching out for help to own your shame is very difficult. That's why you're going to have so much resistance. Resistance in the form of excuses. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. My kids are more important. Oh, oh, I'm the last one that's important. That's just a ego distraction that your parents would have said 
to as an excuse that your mom and dad would say as an oh it's not for me it's not going to work as imagine as a distraction for actually facing those wounds but the ones who do it are the ones who break the cycle now there's about almost 7000 people in this group and i don't know how many hundreds or thousands are going to watch this but I know that there's only going to be a small percentage, the majority, 90 to 95% that are going to listen to this and go, thank you, wow, thanks, wow, that really resonated, thank you, okay, I'm going to work on myself. That's the ego. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to be good. And then tomorrow, the old patterns, the old familiar grooves in the snow, no accountability, no skin in the game. You think that you're stronger than your resistance? Think again. People invest the time and resources to get our help, and we literally feel sometimes like we're herding cats. We have to remind ourselves these are wounded little children, and they want to keep running from their feelings. It's painful. It's challenging. But, if, but the alternative, which is living your life in that fishbowl, is downright fucking unbearable. You've taken the red pill now. You really can't go back because you can't unlearn what you just understood to be true. You can't unlearn it because it's not your fault. But the truth of the matter is it's our responsibility. And this community is really, I'm really trying to connect to the hearts, maybe trigger some of you. That's fine. Action. Most of them. That's why that that woman who's healing and she's like able to see her kids and and feel them now and then understand her narcissistic ex-husband she goes oh my god i was the narcissist too i was projecting onto him holy crap i have empathy now i have empathy for my abuser and it's not like fawning it's like i have empathy for myself i love myself more she she's literally coming alive depression people are going off their medications Heal, healing is happening in their digestive issues, hormonal issues, sleep, relationship patterns changing. You know, we have my, our, our guy Aaron. Men are coming into this conversation. Aaron healing his attachment wounds with his mother and his sister, him and his sister. Now do podcasts and Facebook lives together. They weren't speaking. When he would walk into the room with them, he, his body would just go into alarm. And he's like, fuck that. I don't want to talk to them. Right? He started doing the work, healed his attachment traumas in his body, not just talking. He finished. He goes, I've spent over 50 grand on personal development. He goes, I, this, 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 on therapy, on Demartini, none of it was this deep. I'm having surgeons, MDs, psychotherapists message me going, this is the missing link. And it's about the body. It's time for us to stop talking and start to feel. This is not about feeling better about things. It's about getting better at feeling so that we can connect emotionally, so that we can grow we can grow emotionally mature, functional adults who are then able to hold space for our children. Which now reminds me I can hear my son right now. It's bath time. So I'm ending this conversation now to honor the, my commitment to breaking the cycle so that he knows that you know, daddy's work is not more important than him, uh, that his needs are important. And so I'm going to go jump in the bathtub with my son right now. But I'm really curious to know what is it that is was the most relevant for you in these five? The, let me let me sum them up again. Number one is um, 
seeing children as extensions of themselves. Number two is inability to see their children as unique human beings who are separate from them. Number three is a difficulty regulating your emotions. Number four is difficulty with empathy. <laughs> Let's call it like it is. I'm not saying they're narcissists. I'm just saying they're difficult with empathy and we're all covert narcissists because I didn't have empathy before. Uh, I didn't know empathy before this work. Right? I was cognitively saying the work uh, and a lot of people by the way with Demart with the Demartini method and uh, the the danger of it is that it breeds narcissism. That's the shadow side of, of John Demartini's work is without actually um, uh, without knowing it, a lot of times I was using the work to invalidate other people. Well, you're just projecting. Well, you're just projecting. Oh, you're just projecting. Of course they are, but they're giving feedback, and because of the shame of it, I'm blocking it and then turning it around. That's narcissism. All right. A lot of times people use the work uh, to block their emotions. Uh, this is about going deeper. Uh, difficulty with empathy and number five fear or avoiding genuine emotional connection you know it's kind of like you have superficial topics instead of going deep and talking about emotions it's like you know when you get shamed or punished or su suppressed when you have emotions oh don't have emotions this is the biggest one. Oh, big emotions no no don't cry don't cry right you get punished for having emotions punished for anger right and so we learn to suppress, and then we pass that on to the next generation. So what do we do? If we don't do something and take action, um, it just gets passed down. Even though we think, oh, I'm going to change it. I promise I'll be different. This isn't a cognitive, rational thing. This is actually about, um, this is about your body. So you don't really have a say or a choice in it. Um, it's about going into your body, right? I'm an empath and give my power away. Absolutely. And some empaths are actually as well, and I'm not, you know, watch out here. Uh, there's some covert narcissism going here too, right? So there is a reflection. You, you attract narcissists because there's a kind of a shadow part of yourself. So we, if you do the, when you do the work, you really start to see it. And this isn't about you personally. It's universally to all of us. What do we do? Well, we have to learn to become, we don't, it's not about blaming your parents and going back and telling them what they did was horrible. Don't do that. Don't send this link to your parents going, mom and dad, look at this. Look at what he says. Cause they're going to be like, who is this fucker? They're going to use their shame and they're going to be like, he's just a chiropractor. He's whatever. He's a whatever. Look at him. He's a narcissist. He's so wrong. That's not going to be, it's not going to be met with open arms because they haven't done the work. What do you do is you do the work. You break the cycle. You break the cycle. Right? Which one? Yeah, that's the question I have. Right in the chat box, which one do you have the most kind of, can you resonate with that you were raised in? And can you see that trait within you if you're a parent? Let's talk about it. Let's just say it. Let's just call it like it is. Right? What we do is we learn how to become the parent that we never had. That's our job. That's how we break the cycle. And it's very difficult, so you can't do it by reading a book. Luckily, if you're in this community, we do this on a regular basis in our programs. So depending on your commitment level of becoming a cycle breaker, um, you would let us know, like, I'm all in, just whatever it takes, versus uh, I'm scared and maybe I want to dip my toe in and I'm not sure and maybe I'm in my head rationalizing. I need more information, please, which is 
which is part of the ego defense of trying to feel, right? Uh, you will dissociate. We hear this all the time. Uh, your, your commitment to transformation must be more than the excuses that are going to show up that's going to try to stop you, which were the same excuses of your parents. So the degree of challenge you're going to have is going to be mirrored down to the children. So I did, I, it was tough. It was like, fuck, I'm going to be the one to break the cycle. Okay, I'll take one for the team. There's some really great responsibility in that. You know, I feel significant. <laughs> I feel like the hero. You know, there, it's a great thing. It's not just all bad, but it's really cool. The, the, the greatest reward, you want to know what the greatest reward is? You then break the cycle. You're unplugged from that matrix. And then all of a sudden, the second half of your life becomes one of your design, not the one that you were, not the fishbowl. In other words, you can then create your life in a new aquarium and put whatever the fuck you want to put in it rather than being in someone else's aquarium. Yes, there's a trauma involved in leaving that aquarium. It's kind of like breaking free. It's like your own hero's journey. You're like this little fish. But this aquarium is all I've ever known. Yeah, I know. Uh, but you're going on an adventure. You're Nemo, which is ironic. That's what my kid patients used to call me. You're Dr. Nemo. Um, you're finding finding Nemo, finding you. That's your story. You're out in the new, out of the out of this this familiar world of this fishbowl into the brave new world. And just like in the in the Finding Nemo, Finding Nemo <laughs> movie, you're going to go through tests, trials. There's going to be fear. Nemo was scared. It's your story. Is going into a new environment. But the, the the benefit is over time, it's going to be a life of your own design. I live a life of my own design now. I left chiropractic. I now have freedom. It was scary. It's been a five-year transition. Been warring with my patients. With, with, sorry, with 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 my parents. But now they're like, okay, we totally see you. We totally get it. There was resistance in the beginning, but I stuck to my guns and we did it, right? Beautiful. And yes, Laura, people say 27 years of therapy. This was the missing link. The missing link, missing link is right there in, the, in your chat box. It's, a, it's the link for breathwork and badassery. It's a three-hour event. If you don't know, if you, you're not sure and you want to test it out, okay, Let's put the books away and let's get up and do, a, do the fucking work together. I'm going to guide you in an inner child meditation with your younger self. So you're going to meet and connect with, with beautiful music in a community container, with everybody doing the same work together. And then a share, you're going to experience your inner child. Sometimes some people for the very first time, it's like, boom, people literally shift and heal. Others... You'll get information like, my inner child doesn't want to have anything to do with me. I'm like, yeah, right? Right? <laughs> it's like knocking on your, you just abandon a child, and then you show up 20 years later at their door and say, hey, mama's home. And the kid's like, fuck you, mom. I want nothing to do with you. Right? So there will be some resistance. Doing it, that's why doing it alone will feel scary. We do it together. We heal in community. And then after that's done, I lead you and guide you and, 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 and facilitate and, um, 
your journey into breath work, which is a very powerful nervous system regulating practice where you're kind of observing your monkey mind, going into the body, and moving all of these emotions that just got bubbled to the surface over the inner child meditation. I'm one of the few places on the planet that combined inner child with breath work. Now, our clients in our programs are all in like this is part of their programs but what i've done is i've opened up the space these inner child kind of the breathwork and badassery event next week and the overview experience i literally open it up to the public so people can register and just get dip their toe in before saying all right i'm all in i want to be a cycle breaker so the link is there I'm going to leave you another link if you're like, fuck this, I want to be a full-on cycle breaker and I'm ready, I don't need to think about it. There's a link here, drneeman.com, uh, discovery, and you're actually ready to invest, like have skin in the game, right? People are like, I'm ready, and it's like, oh, but I, I, it's supposed to get, get all of this guidance and it's, you know… I, you know, I'm not ready like in a, in a financial uh, situation that I'm not even able to invest, then these Facebook Lives are great. This, this application is for those of you who are actually ready, who are like, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to take this seriously. I'm going to come into your container and be in this high-level conversation, not about blaming our parents, but about learning how to love our parents' inner child <laughs> that, that we were at the effect of, their wounded children. This is the journey of the cycle breaker. Welcome to the conversation. If you're brand new, let me know where you're signing in from. What was your revelation? And um, jump in and join us on this this up next week on Saturday. Uh, the link is right there. The time is there in your uh, in your time zone. Check listings. It's kind of early Sunday morning in Australia, but there's people who come from Ethiopia and Dubai. It's literally all over the world. Uh, of cycle breakers so join us and join our community of cycle breakers see what it's like if you're kind of nervous about joining but if you're ready to jump right in and and become learn how to become the parent to yourself that you didn't have so that you can break the cycle and and you want to be led by this asshole you're more you're most welcome um what's at stake here um If we don't learn how to become the parent to ourselves, we then will download this to our children. Plain and simple. This is learning how to emerge the inner parent within us. Uh, and it is, people say, oh, do you do any talks on parenting? I'm like, healing your inner child, healing with your inner child, like not just reading about it and talking about it or watching a Facebook Live and thinking that that's healing with your inner child because it's not right, but actually connecting with them um, is the best parenting course you could ever take. It's the best parenting course you could ever take. Everyone, and write in the comments, anybody who has already been, um, or our clients, say, what has happened to your parenting since you committed to becoming a cycle breaker? What has happened to your parenting since you've done that? And it's not, I don't talk about, like, what to say to your kids. We heal with our inner child, and instantly you then are able to completely transform your relationship with your kids. That's what this conversation is about. 
those links are for action takers and don't think that just by kind of sitting back and hmm, let me think about it is going to help you take action if you don't take action within five seconds mel robbins the book the five second rule what happens is to change your life if you don't take action within five seconds your your um ego mind takes over and then puts you back into um into your fears and your fears take over so if you want to be a cycle breaker, take action and we'll see you at the next perfect time. Peace.